Welcome back to part two of our interview with drummer Liberty DeVito. After the mid-90s, everybody kind of caught wind of this kind of famous falling out between you and Billy Joel. It gave you a lot of time to play with other bands. You mentioned Lords of 52nd Street, for example, and of course your band, The Slim Kings. But let's focus for a minute, if we could, on each of those bands. I'm fascinated with the Lords of 52nd Street because that's basically, correct me if I'm wrong, it's a Billy Joel tribute band with all the members or most of the members of Billy Joel's band. You guys are pretending to be Billy Joel's band, but you are Billy Joel's band. What's going on with that? (laughs) <laughs> well, let's put it this way. If, if you're going to do an interview and you're going to copy exactly what you just said, are yeah. you doing a tribute to yourself? Can you do that? Is that possible? <laughs> I mean, that's what it was, kind of. A tribute to yeah. Billy Joel by Billy Joel's band, you know, essentially. No, it's not a tribute to Billy Joel. It's These are the parts that we play on the record. So it's a tribute so to yourself. The, it's not even a tribute. It's, this is what we do. Uh, I'm doing the same exact thing I did when I went on the road with Billy, except Billy's not there. So it's not billed as Billy Joel tonight. It's billed as the Lord of 52nd Street, who we are, that, that the name that Phil Ramone gave us on the 52nd Street album when he listed the credits. We are the Lord of 52nd Street playing the, 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 the parts that the Lords of 52nd Street created on the records that the Lords of 52nd Street played. I'm going to pretend not to be confused. No, no, I totally get it. I totally get it. But who did the singing? Uh, we have a guy, uh, Dave Clark. He was in a tribute band. Yes, he was in a tribute band. Uh, I'm, I was wondering what Dave Clark was up to these days. No, uh, yeah. It, obviously a, a different band. Dave Clark. Just, just like the guy who sings in Journey. Journey's not a tribute band. No, you don't call them a tribute band, but it's not, what's his name, the singer? Steve Perry. Steve's not Steve Perry singing lead. We have more guys, original guys that played on the records in Lord of the Second Street than Leonard Skinner has in their band, or that 38 Special has in their band. <laughs> or probably half the ba- Foreigner or half the bands out there today, there's you know yes. not all the original members, or lead singers right. especially, Sticks. I mean, the list goes on and on. Yeah. So let's talk about the Slim Kings a bit. This is your own personal project. Do you write the music for Slim Kings, or is, is it all three of you guys that do that? All three, all three of us write the music. Michael Sackler-Burner writes most of the lyrics. And uh, the thing that's great about the Slim Kings is that um, I'm kind of the old school guy. You know, uh, music today is very reminiscent of the past with the, the structure and the, and the whole R&B thing that's going on. And um, the thing that connects us is they'll play me a hip-hop song, because uh, they're younger than I, they're like in the early 30s, maybe late 20s, and they'll play me a hip-hop song, and they'll say, can we do a beat like this? And I'll say, are you kidding me? That, that's a Motown. That's a Motown beat. Ah. You know, you know, uh, so that's the connection that joins us together. And yeah, so we write all the music together, and Michael writes most of the lyrics. It's just very satisfying for me to, to continue to be doing stuff you know, that I, I didn't do before. I, I like doing that. A lot of my drummer friends have ventured down about an hour south of from where I sit right now to Newburgh to see you play at a place you played there pretty regularly in Newburgh, right? Yeah, yeah. What was the name of that place? Um, it had something to do with the, uh, with the Holly Davidson, right? I think so. I haven't been there. I, why I was not able to go down there and see you play uh, live, I don't know, because I, I would have jumped at the chance. I, I'm a musician myself, so possibly I was just 
always busy playing, but I would have loved to come down there. Do you guys still play often? I mean, obviously, oh, well, with Corona, it, nobody is. Yeah, yeah. who knows when we're going to play again. Right. I mean, the Lords, the Lords of the Second Street are just starting to do, uh, like, these drive-in gigs, you know, where people come in their cars, and they sit in their cars, or they sit on the hood of their cars, just as long as they're six feet away from the people next to them, which is a weird thing to do, because you can see their hands moving when they applaud, but you really can't hear it. It's kind of strange. It is strange. I've run into some of that myself. So this was a three-piece. you got Liberty DeVito, Michael Sackler-Burner, you got Andy Adonazio. Are you guys like the three paisans? I mean, are you all Italian? Not Michael. Not no, Michael. Michael. He's not Michael. Just me and Andy. You know, speaking of Italian, in your book you talk about your roots, your Italian roots. Yeah. I, I think your family fr- was from um, uh, Naples or something, right? My the DeVito side is from Naples. The uh, uh, Sardisco side is from Sicily. Yeah, my mom was from Sicily, and my dad's family from Naples. And my dad always said he, he had to sleep with one eye open all the time. <laughs> uh, I, I've heard similar things. Uh, my uh, heritage goes back to like Central Italy, uh, San Marino, but I do have some relatives in Sicily that I luckily got a chance to visit not too long ago. Do you identify as an Italian American? Is that a point of pride for you? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I do. I, I love my Italian roots. I, I love Sunday dinner. I'm married to a woman who's uh, Irish and Italian right now, and the wives before it were German and English, and I never uh, really dated an Italian girl, uh, maybe once or twice. But, you know, I always miss Sunday dinner, you know, stuff that, you know those things where, you, where you, the big feast on Sunday afternoon. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I miss that. Uh, those things. When my parents passed away, that kind of went with it. My sister still does it, but she lives upstate in New York. She lives up in uh, um, uh, Cobleskill, I think. Oh, Cobleskill. sure. Yeah. So it's hard to get to her. You know, it takes, especially now with the pandemic, like really stinks. But um, yeah, but I wrote the book so my kids would know that there was history there, what our history was. It's a very interesting part of the book, and I related to it specifically. You know, Rick Z, the Z in Rick Z stands for Zanante, so that's my Italian roots. And and I remember all those Sunday dinners, and I remember my grandmother's octopus salad and and uh, oh delicious and tripe i i I used to eat tripe all the time i i I thought that was great and and all these things that turned all my friends stomachs that they were the things that i loved squingeli and all that stuff yeah i love i love tripe i still eat tripe love tripe love uh pasta with squid ink oh yeah uh, all those things when i go to visit the family in sicily i've got to tell you that if i'm there for two weeks and i have 12 different pasta dishes, probably maybe six or seven of them I've never had before with what they put on the pasta. It, it's unbelievable. It really is, and the pasta is always fresh. That's one thing about Sicily I noted when I was there. Wherever you go, everybody made fresh pasta. Nothing ever comes out of a box. Delicious. Just a delicious place to go. <laughs> you can't beat it. Now, let's talk about your name for a second. DeVito, obviously that is Italian, but I've never heard anyone but you called Liberty. I know that's not your full name. It's like Libertori, right? Yes, Libertori. Where yep. does that name come from? I mean, that, I guess that sounds pretty Italian, Libertori. That's very Italian. Libertori DeVito. Libertori like DeVito. I like that. What, what did your parents yeah. call you, Lib or Libby? or? Yeah, Lib. Well, I was named after my uncle who was killed in World War II, my father's brother. 
you know, my father used to always tell me, oh, there's a lot of libatories in Italy. <laughs> I never met one. <laughs> you know, I went to a doctor once for my year, and her last name was Libertori, spelled huh. just like mine. So, yeah, they used to call my uncle Liberty, but it was, um, he used to get in a lot of fights in the 30s and 40s because the statue in the harbor was a girl. So, <laughs> you know, but in the 60s, having the name Liberty was like, it was the greatest name in the world to have, you know? Well, it's so unique and cool. I mean, Liberty DeVito, it's, it's just, that's a rock and roll name, if you ask me. It's worked out. It did work out for me. Speaking of rock and roll and Liberty DeVito, I want to play another Billy Joel song. This is off of Songs in the Attic. Great live album. I mean, every song on it is spot on. What an amazing drum sound. How did you get that? That's one of the greatest live drum sounds I've ever heard on a, on a live album. How did you get that immense sound? Well, Phil Ramone toured with us on that tour when we were recording that, um, that record. We, we recorded in clubs, we recorded in marinas, all different places. And when, you, when we sat down to listen to what sounded best, like, I love these days, sounded great in an arena. It didn't sound that good in a club because there was no echo from the arena. Or Miami 2017 would sound great in arena. It was big, you know? Huge. But like, uh, yeah, but like Stonehenge Falls would sound better in a club because it's more intimate and there's less uh, musicians playing on, on the track, you know? Um, so we, we picked which one sounds the best, in the club or in the uh, arena. And Phil Ramone produced it, of course, and uh, he got all the sounds in the truck that followed us around on the whole tour. Yeah, you can tell the difference because of the crowd reaction at the end of the song, but, I mean, it's produced so well that each song slides right into the next with ease. I mean, it's it's a seamless album, and it's a beautiful album. I want to play Miami 2017. That That's my absolute favorite live drum performance from Liberty DeVito. Can we hear that? Yeah, go for it.
What are some of your favorite drum moments in other songs? What, what are the, those parts that really got to you over the years in other tunes? Well, there, there's a couple. I mean, when I listen to the tracks, uh, recently on, on uh, YouTube, I found uh, the isolated drum track to The Stranger. You know, you just hear the drums. And I was pretty amazed at what I did because, you know, you do a track, you play it, and then you go away. And you listen, you hear the album on the radio, and it, it sounds very distant because it's on the radio. But then when I heard the track just by itself, it was like, wow, that's pretty good, you know? But I do like the parts that I played, like in this song called Alone Anymore in Glass Houses. Yeah. That I like what I played in the beginning of that. Uh, that's a complicated, like complicated part. It's only complicated if you don't know how to do it. That's, that's <laughs> well, that's why it's complicated for me. Right, that's why I tell all young drummers. They're always like, wow, that, that guy played something that was really difficult. Yeah, but it's not difficult for him because he knows how to do it. You know? <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's that. There's uh, the song Laura. I love the song Laura on Nylon Curtain. That, that's like one of my favorite songs that we did. That's a tremendous um, song. Yeah, Until a Night is another one that, that, that was good. It builds really nicely. I was mostly referring to, although, you know, I could talk about your drum parts that I'm very familiar with, everything you've done, uh, I could talk about that all day, but I meant songs that you like outside of Billy Joel's band, things that you've heard on the radio oh. and on albums that really did it for you, other drum parts. Oh, well, you see, I don't, I don't particularly look at, at just the drums. I look at the whole song. Like, I have my songs, probably four or five songs that I call them the I Pulled the Car Over when they came on the radio. Yeah, you know, to listen to them. One of them is definitely My Sharona. Oh, yeah. The great Bruce Gary. Yeah, fantastic. 
fantastic drum part. It's got so much energy on that record. I love uh, The Police, uh, Can't Stand Losing You. Great. There was a song that Diodato did. He did 2001 Space Odyssey, and Billy Cobham playing the drums on it. Wow, yeah. His, his fills are amazing on, on that record. Then there's, um, I remember when Eric Clapton came out when I shot the sheriff, and somebody told me, they said, you got to hear the original I Shot the Sheriff. It's by a band from Jamaica. And I was driving home from a gig one night about 4.30 in the morning, and it came on the radio on this, on this uh, station that was on Long Island. And I had to pull the car over. I could not believe what I was hearing. I'd never heard anything like that before. You know, Bob Marley and the Whalers. It was like, holy cow, what is this? You know, yeah, that, that was one. That was a big one. And then there was like... Um, um, Feels like Teen Spirit. Uh, Nirvana was another one. That, Dave Grohl. Yeah, that was great. But then, like in the earlier times, like uh, Dave Brubeck, when he had his band, he had Joe Marillo playing drums, and Joe Marillo does a drum solo call, far more drums, and he does it in five four time, which is amazing to listen to. He, he was an amazing drummer. Everybody raves about Buddy Rich. Forget Buddy Rich. Joe Marillo is my man. Couldn't I like Joe Morello. I like Gene Krupa. Uh, I like those guys, you know. And and there's some guys that I'll just listen to and, and won't even think about ever doing what they're doing. You know, I don't play double bass drum because of what Carmine Apiece did on uh, the Cactus song uh, Parchment Farm. Sure. And because, and because of uh, Hot Patricia with um, Van Halen. Alex Van Halen, what he plays on Hot Patricia. It's like, well, what am I going to do better than that? Well, why even bother <laughs> You know, <laughs> uh, those are all our iconic parts. I love all of those songs that you mentioned. What about Phil Collins? You know that famous drum break that everybody knows in in the air tonight. It's so visceral. As a drummer, do you respond to that? He changed the sound of drums with that one fill. Changed the sound of drums. And that, then after that, everything was gated. You know that. Yeah, yeah, I noticed. Cut it short. That's you know? true. Yeah, That's so true. it changed the sound, yeah. I know you're a professional, but do you ever play air drums? I do. <laughs> it's a rite of passage, right? You have to, you have to. Uh, you know, my, my little daughter, three years old, loves the Beatles. So when we're driving in the car, I have to have the serious Beatles channel on. Uh, you know, I, I find myself tapping Ringo's parts on the steering wheel, like I used to when I was a kid, you know, tapping on the... <laughs> Which is great. Liberty, by the end of your stint with Billy Joel, quite a long stint, I mean, you were just scaling the heights. You, you Billy, and all of the, the members of the band, you guys played some incredible shows in some incredible places. I saw you at Yankee Stadium. I had ninth row. I, was, I stood online wow. all day to get those seats back in 1990. I mean, what is it like when you have 100,000 people all singing at the top of their lungs an a cappella version of the Piano Man chorus, and the band just falls silent, and you sit there and listen. I mean, does that send chills up your spine, or what? Well, what I think about when I hear that is that, oh, thank God this is the last song we're leaving. <laughs> <laughs> Not what I expected, but I imagine you're exhausted at that point, right? Well, your adrenaline is still so high. You know, I, I don't come down until about an hour or so after the show. Uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing. We, you know, when they, they used to light lighters and stuff and things like that, it was yeah. like crazy. Now everybody holds up their cell phones. You know, yeah, that's right. Stuff like that happens. But, yeah, it was, it's pretty insane to think that 
that, yeah, I, I kind of lived that, that life. When I pointed at the TV and I saw the Beatles and I said, I want to do that. You know, I want to tour the world with my friends. Um, and I actually was able to do it. From a fan's perspective, it's just like rock and roll heaven to, to be there and, and to, to see something like that happen. Of course, the big question is, are you going to play music with Billy Joel again? The big question. <laughs> that is a big question. Is. I mean, everybody wants to see this. Everybody wants to see this. Any Billy Joel fan, any Liberty DeFito fan, they go together. You know, they go together. That's part of the Billy Joel sound, and a big part, too. We want to see this happen. Well, here's what I think about that. It's like, it's in Billy's court. I mean, you know, if it, if it happened at the Garden, that's Billy's home base right now. Yeah. So he would have to call us. If he came to see the Lords of 52nd Street and came up and played with us, I would like that better if he did that rather than me go there. How come? Uh, because it's the more intimate, and, and it would be more of a surprise for people. You know, I think because of the book, and he wrote the forward, and, and we, we've mended our relationship, I think people are kind of expecting it to happen now. If it does happen, I would like it to happen with Richie and Russell, too. Of course. Maybe, I mean, maybe even David Brown come down from Boston. All, all those guys, uh, integral part of Billy's classic sound, no doubt. Yeah. That, yeah. That, I want to see that, too. Uh, I'd love to see those guys play with him again. You know, Billy had a, a pretty well-known quote. I've heard him say it many times about anyone that starts playing rock and roll music. If they tell you they're not doing it to meet girls, then they're lying. The people that grew up listening to Elvis and the Beatles, they learned pretty quick, as Billy did when he was a young kid, that you shake your hips and act like Elvis and the girls are screaming. You know, Was this your experience? Is this why you went into rock and roll? Now, be honest. Okay, I'm going to be honest with you. I've had I've been married three times and I have four daughters. So yeah, I've got a lot of girls around me. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, that's a, well. In the book, I explain that the, the girls in my school like guys that played sports, and I really was bad at it. So you know, they were my saviors when the Beatles came on the Ed Sullivan show. It was like, yeah, okay, this will work. This is how I can get girls. You know, Liberty, yeah. I'm so sad because our interview is uh, quickly drawing to a close. Uh, before we go, I have to ask you about your old drum teacher. He told you to put down your sticks because you're never going to amount to anything as a drummer, something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, he did. Because I couldn't do the buzz roll in the Star Spangled Banner. Years later, you ever look the guy up and say, hey, look, 150 million albums, you know, you know, what the hell do you know? My Sicilian family killed him. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, uh, that's great. Yeah, well, they had every right to. <laughs> no, I, I actually don't know if he's still alive, uh, that, that gentleman. Uh, but I, I do have a friend, there's my friend Tom, who lives in Florida now, and he was in that class when that teacher told me that. He, was, uh, he reminds me of it all the time. <laughs> well, it's hysterical that you know one of the most successful rock drummers was told to put his sticks down and hang it up because he's no good. I mean... Obviously, this guy didn't know, uh, you know, his ass from a drum stool. Yeah, well, my first experience with with somebody who was, I call them lame, as far as rock and roll goes, was when the music teacher walked in my fourth grade class and said she thought Chain Gang by Sam Cooke was the worst song she's ever heard. <laughs> I, was, I was shocked, like, wow, I really like that song, you know? It's a great song. You know, and, and I remember the feeling of that, and... You know, when I do clinics or, or for young people, you know, talk to young people, 
you try not to sit knock their music because they're really like appreciating it and they're really finding something in it that's making them want to play or want to be a musician. So it's, it's a very delicate thing when somebody says, well, what do you think of this artist? I, I did say once that I thought uh, Justin Bieber was, was horrible. And a kid did come up to me after and he goes, and he just looked at me and goes, I like Justin Bieber. And I felt really bad, you know, <laughs> I said it. And, and it brought back that memory of when the, the teacher said that uh, Sam Cooke was terrible, you know. Oh, that's very interesting, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand that, you know, as I get older and I start to look at the music that young people listen to, and sometimes I'm a little critical of it, and I try to keep an open mind because I, just what you said, you got to remember that this music is very important to them, and whatever music is important to you is valid, you know? Yeah, it's very important to them, and, and you know, you don't want to, if they have a, a dream to do something, you don't want to, like, knock them off the, the road to that dream, like the teacher did to me for until the Beatles came out. So your book is out now, Liberty. Is that gratifying to see it out on the market? And I hear it's doing well. What's the status of the book? Well, it's in the thousands of sold. <laughs> so I'm, I'm shocked. Look, Rick, here's the deal. I never took drum lessons, and I, I don't read music, I don't write music, but I got to play with one of the biggest single artists in the world. I barely made it out of high school, and now I got a book out. What's next? I'm going to I'm going to cure this virus that's going around now. <laughs> <laughs> we get get the Sicilian family in on that one. We might we might there be able you to go. get something yeah. done. Yeah. Liberty, this has been a true honor and a thrill to have you on the show with all your busyness with the book coming out and all the podcast you're doing. Awfully nice of you to take the time out and, and be in our little show. We really appreciate it. Love you. Love the, the music. I'm always listening for you. Thank you so much for doing it. Well, thank you. And remember, Amazon.com or HudsonMusic.com. That's where you get the book. And it's on Kindle now. Fantastic, Liberty. This has been so nice. Thank you again. Well, thank you, Rick. That is the great Liberty DeVito, folks. His new book is on sale right now. It's called Liberty, Life, Billy, and the Pursuit of Happiness. Go out and get it. And I am Rick Z, and this is The Rick Z Show, produced and engineered every week by Rusty Johnson, and this week, additionally, co-produced by Dan D'Elia. Thanks, Dan. You're very welcome. Click subscribe, people. We need more followers. Click, click, click. And come back next week, and I promise we'll have another talented Hudson Valley musician here, so we'll see you then.